Hi everyone, welcome back to Talks in Class. I'm Jenna and I am so excited to be here with you all once again today and to chat about one of my favorite nostalgic topics. So thank you all for joining me and I hope you've had a fabulous week wherever you are. This has been a little bit quieter, a little bit slower week for me, which honestly is amazing. <laughs> this time of year just tends to be so busy in general. I think a lot of people can relate to that, especially as we head into the holidays. But with everything going on in our personal lives, with the move and everything, and then also it being one of the busiest times of year for a lot of the work that I do, I'm just feeling a little tired, or I have been feeling a little tired. You know that feeling when you're just kind of tired and run down, and you've been doing a lot, and you think forward towards the weekend, or your day off or whenever you're going to have a day to just rest and kind of chill. I feel like it's been weeks and I haven't truly had that. And I am a fairly introverted person, so I need a healthy amount of downtime. So yesterday I decided to take the day off of all sort of content work, anything that basically required me to look decent (laughs) and put on clothes and put my face in front of a camera. And instead I just stayed in my PJs and I did all of those like get my life together sort of things that tend to pile up and get a little overwhelming like making all of the phone calls I've been putting off and replying to all the emails and just kind of cleaning and organizing and you know all of that annoying adulthood stuff that we put off until the last minute and I also last night started watching Tell Me Lies on Hulu Everyone's been talking about the show, and I know I'm late to the game on this, but the reason I started watching it yesterday is because everybody has been commenting about and asking me about what I think about the fact that they don't seem to really commit to the time setting of the show, which is supposed to take place in 2007, 2008. So I was really curious about this, and I put it on last night, and I watched two episodes. And I have to say I agree Nothing about it looks like 2008 to me. Nothing about it screams 2008 to me, I should say. It definitely doesn't feel like an authentic representation of that time. They do have a few details that feel kind of like nods to the time, like a girl wears Uggs, and they do use Blackberries, which is important. I appreciate that. But overall, the vibe is way off. It is not it. It's definitely not something that I would perceive as taking place in 2002. 7, 2008. The girls have middle parts, first of all. My part was over my eyebrow arch in 2008. I remember somebody once saying that you should part your hair over your eyebrow arch. I mean, it was like a comb over so far to the side. And another thing that I noticed immediately was that the shirts are kind of cropped. Not necessarily crop tops, but they're definitely hitting above the jeans. Okay, 2007, 2008, our shirts were down to our knees like we were wearing the longest shirts that was the era of the super long layered tank tops with the belt over them you know like seven tank tops underneath another kind of three-quarter length shirt so as a whole I mean if I didn't know that it was supposed to take place in 2007 or 2008 or whatever I would have no idea so I don't really know why that is people seem to be really bothered by it though at least in the people who have messaged me and the messages that I have received about it. I do feel like there are certain things that take place in the past where that past setting is really crucial to the story. Either those things couldn't have happened in another time or the story revolves around a historic event that happened in a certain time period. But that isn't the case for this. You know, it's 
it's not necessary to move the story forward. I think it just takes place in the past because they're using a flashback format to tell the story. So I guess they just didn't commit. But anyway, I thought it was very interesting how distracting this factor seemed to have been to millennials who watched the show. However, I have heard that it's a great show, so I probably will continue to watch regardless of the fact that they didn't exactly nail the 2008 fashion. Anyway, as always, I will start this episode with my what good happened. So this week, like I said, it's just been a slower week and I think I really needed that. I needed a little bit more flexibility in my schedule and a little bit of downtime. So that's really my what could happen for this week. And I definitely feel refreshed. It's been nice. I feel energetic. And I'm glad that I do because today's topic is something that I'm really excited to talk about. I actually had a really hard time outlining this episode because there were so many things that I wanted to say. So I might have to do a part two next week or possibly the following where I get into a little bit more detail about specific stores. But today we're going to talk about mall culture of the 2000s. But before we jump into that discussion, I do want to take a moment to give a little plug to my Jenna Barclay style box. So if you don't know, this is a subscription clothing rental service that I launched back in September, and I'm really, really excited about it. It is a rental service for everyday casual clothes. So there's casual styles, there's some work appropriate outfits, there's outerwear like jackets, there's even comfy stuff like cute sweats. So things you're gonna wear in your everyday life as opposed to more formal styles. And these are from a huge variety of regular brands that you know, brands that you see and can find in stores right now with their current styles but without the commitment to having to buy new clothes all the time, which is great, especially for somebody like me. I love new stuff. I can't be buying new clothes all the time. So each box comes with two items and you can have up to four items at home at a time. And the nice thing is you can keep them for as long or as little as you want. So if there's a jacket that you want to hold on to for the entire fall season, you can absolutely do that. Or you can wear something once and then send it back and kind of have an ever rotating closet full of items and the swaps are unlimited. So you can truly wear something one time and send it back and get something else. I've really been loving it because like I said, I love variety. I am also someone who loves trying new trends, but I can't be spending money like that one. But also I don't have a lot of space. We live in a small apartment, which comes with a small closet. So I like it because it allows me variety and flexibility without having to commit to things. It's so nice. And I've also been using it to kind of supplement more cold weather items that I want now that we're on the east coast in the fall but I won't necessarily need once we move to LA in you know a month so it is $50 a month which is great especially considering you know even fast fashion brands are getting expensive these days and your first month is completely free it's no strings attached it's month to month there's no contracts no nothing so if you want to try it out you can go over to jennabarclaystylebox.com and just click get started your first month will automatically be free again that is jennabarclaystylebox.com if you want to try it out and with that let's talk about the mall so for those around my age Malls represent something really special, I think, and definitely something really nostalgic because they were really a cultural hub when we were growing up. That's the best way that I can describe it. 
The mall was everything we needed as teens, kind of wrapped up into one physical space. It was entertainment. It was a place to socialize and just kind of kill time. It was a place to discover new things. It was a place to get inspiration. And it was a place to kind of find people who had similar interests as you. And before social media, the mall is where we went to find new ideas, you know, new style trends, new music, new books or whatever you were interested in, trends really spread via the mall. They didn't necessarily start there, but that's how they spread. In the same way that now the trends spread much faster, but trends now spread online or on social media. But for those of us who really came of age before the internet ruled every aspect of our lives the way that it does now, the mall was so much more than just a place to shop and hang out with our friends and, I don't know, get a pretzel or whatever. It was part of our coming of age, part of our our growing up. Not to sound so dramatic from the get-go, but the mall, to me, kind of represented independence, especially as a tween or a young teenager. I think there is something kind of universal about the mall being one of the first places that we really spent time unsupervised without our parents anywhere nearby. You know, you could spend time hanging out at somebody's house in the basement, but the parents were upstairs. The mall was, for a lot of us, the first place where the parents dropped us off and just said, okay, you know, we'll pick you up at whatever time. So if I'm really generalizing, I think this is one of the biggest reasons malls feel so nostalgic for us. Just like anything that triggers nostalgia, it reminds us of an exciting and kind of important time in our lives or just a time that we look back on fondly. And certainly that time in your life when you start to feel more independent is significant. You know, that leaves an impression on you. But what I really think is interesting is when we think about the mall in relation to where we were as a society and in relation to fashion trends and just the entire idea of trends in general and how they spread and how we talk about them, the mall was just this hub of it all. And for kids in the middle of the country or in rural areas like me, this was so important because just like media, you know, TV, magazines, the mall was our window into the outside world or the greater world. And that was something that I so desperately wanted to be a part of and in some cases to literally copy you know like I wanted to be able to see what other people in other places were doing and to copy their style because that made me feel more connected to that experience and this was also the days before the idea of basic (laughs) so before the idea that all mainstream fashion was bad and that in order to look cool you had to be part of some new niche viral like micro trend or leading this charge towards a new fashion craze it wasn't like that in in the late 90s and early 2000s when i was first getting into fashion around y2k mainstream fashion was what was cool for a lot of us i mean that's what a lot of us tweens and teens strived for even when I think about kind of the counterculture or alternative fashions those were also mainstream in a lot of ways I mean there was a mainstream version of those things for sure 
And it was also easier to track the path of a trend. You know, it, it started with a celebrity or maybe on a runway and then it was reinterpreted and kind of recreated by these mainstream chain retailers and they sold it in malls all across the country, which meant for me, being a small town girl in, in Wisconsin, I could go to a store and buy the exact same item that someone's cool cousin who lived in a big city was wearing. And that was so important to me, especially somebody who was obsessed with fashion and obsessed with clothes and, and all of that when I was a teenager. I think Von Dutch is a really great example of this. If I saw Paris Hilton wear a Von Dutch tank top on The Simple Life in 2003, I could literally get into my little car and drive 20 minutes to the mall and buy that exact same tank top at Gadzooks in the Valley View Mall in Onalaska, Wisconsin. I mean, that was an amazing thing that we had available to us, but only at the mall. That was the only way that we could, we could kind of step into that lifestyle that we were seeing in other places. And sure, there might be 10 other girls in Gadzooks buying that exact same tank top, but I didn't care, you know? Those girls went to other high schools, or at least they were maybe in a different grade, and it just didn't seem to matter. We didn't have social media. We weren't watching everyone's every move all the time. So even if everyone looked the same, I don't think we were as aware of it, and it wasn't perceived as a negative thing for the most part. If anything, in those days, sameness was the goal. You know, we wanted to look like whoever we thought was cool. And a lot of the teens were looking to the same people or the same places to kind of establish what was cool. Before social media, we didn't have these endless options or endless places to look for for style inspiration or to kind of establish trends or decide what was cool so we went you know to the mall or we watched MTV and the mall was a great place for style inspo because we could people watch so we would just look to see who we thought was cool maybe you know cool older kids or maybe just somebody who had the style that kind of looked like the style that we wanted to adopt and look at what they were wearing and then walk around the mall and try to find it. Or we would just go to the stores that we already knew fit our desired aesthetic and look what the employees were wearing or what was on the mannequin. Like it was very simple. That's how we got our fashion inspo. That's really where we could find new ideas for outfits or new ideas of how to style things, especially if you were in a small town. I remember seeing a lot of teens on television shows at the time and thinking that their outfits looked cool, but I never felt like I wanted to copy their outfits because they weren't realistic to me. But at the mall, you could see real people who had cool clothes that you could actually find and that you could actually wear. I mean, before we had fashion bloggers and social media influencers, we had you know, Hollister models at the mall. And we had our cool older babysitters, the teenage babysitters and the cool kids working at the cool mall stores were the original influencers. Those were the people who were kind of setting the tone and setting the trends for what we thought was cool, what we wanted to wear. And the mall also had its own social landscape, which I feel like has also been replaced, at least in some part, by the internet and social media and just 
online social spaces in general. But at the mall, you could pretty easily find your people. You know, like you could be a hot topic kid or maybe you were really into music. So you went to the record store and got to know the staff there and they knew what kind of music you liked. Or if you were a girl in the middle of the country near no ocean and you for some reason thought the surf aesthetic was really on brand for you, me, I'm talking about me, you could go to Hollister or Paxson and buy a pair of flip flops and like a floral mini skirt and a puka shell necklace. And it was kind of just easy to see where you could go to feel comfortable, where you could go to fit in and who you would potentially get along with or who just might like the same things as you based on where they were shopping or hanging out at the mall. And like I've said before, fashion and personal style are definitely a reflection of identity. But back then in the mall days, these mall stores kind of delivered these identities like (laughs) prepackaged. You know what I mean? Like if you bought your clothes at a certain store, that was a clear marker of identity without us, the teens, the consumer, really having to put a whole lot of thought into it. You know, we weren't curating our identities, <laughs> curating our aesthetics the way that people do now because they just have so many more options. Or you could kind of try on these different identities or different styles to suit your moods, your mood or the phase that you were going through. Like we all went through these different phases, right? I went through an Indian weavings phase. Indian Weavings was our our hippie store, I guess you could say, in the mall. I'm convinced every mall has a store like that. They sold incense and flowy skirts and like band patches that you could put on your denim jacket and black light posters and that sort of thing. They were also oddly in our mall the place to go for belly button rings. I don't know why, but you would either go to there to buy incense or belly button rings. But anyway, I went through this brief phase where I wore like flowy maxi skirts and I burned incense. I don't know why. I don't know where that came from. I probably wandered into that store one day because I saw some girl in the food court who had a maxi skirt on and I thought she looked cool. But I didn't have to curate that aesthetic. I didn't have to curate that experience. I literally just went to that store at the mall and I bought some stuff and I was like I'm a hippie now (laughs) and then when I realized that wasn't me and it didn't fit I just went back to American Eagle and bought a graphic tee simple but that's what was fun about the mall days I think it delivered us these really universal experiences that to us felt very unique and special you know we were all pretty much shopping at the same set of stores when we get right down to it we were buying similar things we were having similar experiences we were all going to get our ears pierced at Claire's and buying a thong for the first time when our parents dropped us off with our friends to spend the afternoon or you know going to limited two for a scarf belt or going to Deb for a glittery homecoming dress we were all doing these very similar things and maybe you didn't buy your glittery homecoming dress at Deb but there was probably a store similar to that in your mall that sold similar styles. But we felt like we were so independent and we were making our own choices and forming our own identities. And this was an important experience and it doesn't exist like this anymore. It doesn't happen like this anymore. Now, I feel like it happens online. 
we participate in these groups online, these niche trends, or we curate these experiences online that are so specific to our identities and our interests and our values, which is great. You know, I think that there's something to be said about having more options and having more access and being able to really find things that speak to who you truly are and your very specific interests because everybody is really, really unique. And I'm sure that there were a lot of people wandering on the, around the mall thinking, I don't really fit in any of these places. So I think that there's a really positive aspect to that idea of options and access. But I do think that there is something missing from that, that social or communal experiences is, is really gone, you know? We shared the mall with everyone. I mean, you might not necessarily have been friends with everybody, but they were all there. We still saw each other. You would see different trends emerging. And now it's like we can curate everything down to such specifics that we never really even have to see things that we don't like or that don't work for us or fit our very specific set of preferences. I used to work in the fitness industry for several years and fitness studios use a kind of specific type of music. And I used to joke that if it weren't for the fitness studios, I would have no idea about popular music because I curate my experience when listening to music and I don't choose to listen to that, partially because that's what was playing at work all day long. But That wasn't possible when I was a teenager. You listened to the radio, you watched MTV, you heard the same music. It's the same thing now with fashion and retail and trends. We can curate things down to these really niche, really specific preferences and kind of miss a lot of other things, which I just think is really interesting. It's kind of a weird way to exist in a world that's so full of people. In, in some ways, it feels like we're more connected than ever, but in a lot of ways, it feels like we're all just kind of existing in our own little bubbles. I do think that the rise of social media has brought this pressure to really curate our identities, or at least the identities that we're portraying to the outside world, in a way that is much more specific than a mall can offer. And I think that that's a big reason why this generation has abandoned malls. Of course, my generation is probably the most to blame. We abandoned malls just for sheer convenience. But I think with the younger kids, it's more about that curation. It's more about that individual aspect. You know, people thrift, people shop at small local boutiques that offer really unique things. And I think that's amazing. I love thrifting. I love all of that. I love local stores. But what I miss about the mall days is that social aspect. The mall had its own heartbeat. You know, it had its own pulse. That's where you went to keep tabs on things. And just the fact that we had this one place where we could go for an entire day and really do everything we wanted. You could go shopping. You could go out to eat at a literal sit-down restaurant. You could get a pedicure. You could see a movie. It was all under one roof. And in a time when we just lacked so many other options for entertainment. We loved it. It was great. Everything we needed was right there. So to wrap this episode up, I'm going to share with you my top eight. Yes, eight. I couldn't bring it to five, so we're going with eight. It's a nod to MySpace. 
My top eight things that kids could be found, or teens, I guess I should say, could be found doing in my local mall in the 2000s. Okay. Number one, shopping for jeans at the buckle. Very specifically at the buckle, because in my mall, that was the coolest, trendy store. And it was hands down the place to go for jeans. I loved it. I remember buying all of my favorite jeans there. I also remember buying Lucky brand perfume there when I think I was in ninth grade, so probably 2002, and I thought I had arrived. Number two, stealing from Spencer's. Look, I'm sorry, Spencer's, but everybody knows this is true. I swear that I personally never did this, but Spencer's for some reason was the place to go if you wanted to shoplift like a little happy bunny keychain. And that's really the only reason that I know a lot of people went to Spencer's. Number three, buying scandalous underwear at Deb. I don't know if you guys remember, but in the late 90s and early 2000s around Y2K, there was this trend of kind of satiny underwear with a graphic on it. Sometimes it had like a cheeky phrase, but I specifically remember having a pair that had like a little cartoon devil on it they also sold similar things in the the delia's catalogs they had days of the week underwear it was this weird trend of 90s of it was this weird trend of novelty underwear and deb was the place to go for these things in my mall i remember buying a kind of satiny bra that was blue and it had metallic silver stars on it very very cool number four getting a french tip acrylic manicure extra square always at the mall nail salon and our mall nail salon offered a uv top coat that would keep our acrylic nails from turning yellow in the tanning bed i'm not sure what's more 2000s than that whole sentence right there number five taking pictures at the photo booth in limited two my mall was pretty small and we didn't have a limited two until after I was a little bit past the target age group for it. So I didn't really shop there, but my friends and I loved to go there just to use the photo booth. And I still have some of those little sticker pictures. They were very cool. Number six, this is a really important one and a very, very core memory for me, discovering new music, especially at Hollister. So just like the mall was the source of finding new fashion trends, it was also the source of finding new pop culture trends in general. And one of the biggest things that I found at the mall was new music. So I don't know if anybody else remembers this, but they had these little screens inside Hollister and whatever was playing on the store, you could go and see the artist and the title of the song on this little screen. It was just like MTV would put the name of the song on the bottom of the screen during Laguna Beach and things like that. And I discovered so much music that way. I should be embarrassed to admit this, but that's where I discovered Death Cab for Cutie. Yep. Facts. I discovered Death Cab for Cutie because I was stalking the playlist at Hollister. Number seven, getting a Frappuccino at Gloria Jean's Coffee. This is peak Midwest. If you're from the Midwest, I hope you have Gloria Jean's where you are. There was no Starbucks in my mall in those days. It wasn't until later, I think when Barnes and Noble moved into the mall that we got a Starbucks, but We had Gloria Jean's coffee and they made the best frappuccino, I swear. It had so much whipped cream and I would save my lunch money so that I could go get a manicure and a Gloria Jean's frappuccino. And number eight, last but not least, 
probably most important of any activity on this list, working at the mall. Because here's the thing, in the hierarchy of after-school jobs, working at the mall was absolutely the top of the list. It was the top of, of the hierarchy. There were only a couple of stores in our mall who would hire kids at 16. The rest of the stores, you had to be 18. So you would be probably out of high school or very close to it. So it was a really big deal if you got a job in the mall in high school. It also meant that you had a car because our mall was a solid 20 minute drive from my hometown. Well, that is all for my little discussion about mall culture. Like I said, I think I will have to do a part two. But as always, I'm going to wrap this up with a little embarrassing story, funny embarrassing story. This is actually an old one that popped into my mind this morning that I had forgotten about. It happened probably three years ago. I used to walk to work every single morning and it was about a 20 minute walk. So one morning I was wearing a sweatshirt because it was a little chilly, but it was one of those days where, you know, once you get moving, you'll warm up. So I was waiting for a stoplight and I was at kind of a busy intersection. So I was standing there along with a whole pack of moms. Everybody was on their way to kid drop off, I guess, but there were there was a large crowd of people standing around me on this busy street corner. And while I was waiting for the light, I decided to take my sweatshirt off because I had gotten hot. When I took my sweatshirt off, the sleeve turned inside out and a pair of underwear that had stuck to the inside of my sleeve because of static flew out of my shirt and landed on the sidewalk in front of this pack of moms. So I, being instantly mortified, even though I'm a grown adult and obviously we all wear undergarments, like turned beet red, I grabbed the pair of underwear, I shoved it in my bag, and as soon as the light changed, I power walked across the street and I was mortified. It's so funny the things that embarrass us. But anyway, that's my story. Thank you all so much for joining me this week for my little discussion about the mall. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend, rate, review, show some love. I really appreciate you all being here. I will be back next week. Bye.